Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We are here today to put the her in suffrage. Good one. Thank you. It's it was yours. My name is <laughs> Summer Yeager, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host Joy. And um, Joy, <clears throat> I'm really glad that <laughs> it's your you are going to be doing most of the work today. <laughs> Um, this, you needed a break. Yeah, this smoothie. Um, when I sip on it, I feel better as I'm sipping on it, uh-huh. and then I immediately want to puke. So it's like, it's probably the feminism that's <laughs> making you <laughs> want to do that. Yeah, not anything else. No, it's <laughs> obviously that. Oh, and I do want to say, um, thank you. I received so many messages, emails, voicemails. Private messages um, of suggestions of ways to fall asleep. <laughs> After I talked about uh, not course. sleeping well last uh-huh. week, I can I can't possibly respond to all of them. Um, none of them contained a suggestion I haven't tried, but nonetheless, I want to say thank you so much. Everyone yeah. was so sweet and so nice. But yeah, I I have magnesium. I have magnesium lotion. I stretch. I have Epsom salts. I have water. I'm very hydrated. Yeah. I'm the most hydrated person you know, my husband says. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yay me. Right. <laughs> so hydrated. <Yeah>. So tired. <laughs> <laughs> no energy at all. Anyway. But yeah, you just get to kind of chill out today. I don't even know what you're about to say. I know nothing about what you're mm, about to say. Interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Um, You can leave us a voicemail. Yes, you can. At 470-465-0475. Um, let's see. We had our first week of book club. That went really well. Yes, it did. Um, um, how about we never say light reading ever yeah, again? I think that's kind of the omen. <laughs> if you hear us say light reading and you're not Buckle equipped up. for a gut punch, Buckle skip up. that. Skip that book club. Turns out <laughs> Jerry Bridges is a very deep writer. We thought we were just going to get some encouragement. And we are. Well, he's just, because he's so, it's, it's he's what I would describe as, like, Christian living. Like, a Christian living expert. Like, he answers yeah. the question of. How? Yeah. But yeah. I, I guess it was just foolish of me to think that I wouldn't read two sentences and then be like, oh, golly. Okay, wow. <laughs> the conviction. <laughs> I'm very thankful. So what we're saying is we we have a very strange definition of light reading that yeah. um is feel like growing to be more accurate over time. I feel like we should stop saying yeah. light reading. But anyway, if you want to join us, we're reading The Fruitful Life by Jerry Bridges and we're doing that at patreon.com slash theologians. And yeah, here we are. We're continuing on in our feminism series. We're still yes. in the first wave. On our adventure. We're still doing some character studies <clears throat> of first wavers. Uh-huh. And Joy and I decided probably a couple years ago that sometimes it's more fun if we come to the table and we don't know what the other person is going to say. Right. It just makes it more entertaining. Yeah. So I shared nothing with Joy. <laughs> About what I was gonna say last week. Well, maybe I did a little bit. I'm well, you even you but... even recommended like a podcast, and I was like, I'll have to listen to it after. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just whatever. It keeps it more entertaining for us. Right. I'm hearing this for the first time along with you all is the moral of the story because that's fun. Agreed. I'm ready. Here we go. Um, for my first waiver, I picked Lucy Stone. Okay. Um, I really like that name. Who was sometimes referred to as the morning star of the women's rights movement. The morning star. Okay. All right. I guess a lot a lot of people consider her to be kind of foundational, but it's weird. As you'll see, she was in, she was a part of 
all at all. She's definitely a first waiver through and through. Um, so anyway, she was born in 1818. And during this time, uh, she lived in a time that was very, uh, I don't, I don't even know how to say it. Um, but she was born, she was born in a time where households belonged to husbands and everything kind of felt like even the law kind of fell under this hierarchy, um, which we know is found in the Bible. Yeah. Um, and so, of course, there's a lot about the 18, <laughs> 1800s law that I don't understand because I can't, sure. some of it I couldn't even, I, it wouldn't even occur to me that things just haven't always been the way they are. Right. Right now. It was a completely different time. So a lot of things have changed. Um, feminism obviously did a lot of things to change things to the way they are now. Um, but yeah, so she she lived in a time where obviously women didn't own their own property. They, I think there is a bit of a misconception, which is that like they they did own, own their property mm-hmm. under the name of their husband. Right. Um, so, uh, they didn't, they couldn't own their own property in the eyes of the law. Obviously they couldn't vote. Um, they didn't share equal guardianship of their children, Mm -hmm. which is again, just something that most people don't think about. Yeah. Like if you, what, what I mean by that is under the law, you and your husband were not 50, 50 guardians. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you would not have been considered a guardian of your child, but because your husband is their guardian mm-hmm. you and are. you share your husband's name, right? all you, belongs to you as well. You together, <laughs> you right. household. Right. <laughs> right. Um, there's a reason why they people used to refer to a married couple as like... Mr. and Mrs. So and, and then so. the f- husband's name. Right. Yes. Um, it wasn't... Mr. The two became one and the right. name was yes. the one, the name was the man's. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, this is the time she was born in. It was a very different time than now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even just in terms of what the country looked like, there was a lot more agriculture. There was a lot less people. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, so according to Lucy, her mother milked eight cows the day before she was born. And upon finding she gave birth to a baby girl said, Oh dear, I am sorry. It is a girl. A woman's life is so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Which I would assume her her mother told her that story. Cause that's how she would have had to have known it. And then she told it to her daughter who wrote it in a biography, which is where a lot of this information is coming from the self pity is a heck of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, don't all of us work until we go into labor? I mean, what are you talking about? I the reason okay, I don't, I don't even remember all the details, but the reason why she had to milk eight cows was because they were f- also farmers, and there was some like catastrophic catastrophic event that happened in with their farm, and so the the dad and like all the farmhands had to go fix this problem. But it was just her. And it's like, they were, <laughs> sounds like they were all attending to a crisis, you know? Um, and this is how, I mean, this is a huge part. Uh, this, these are really some very formative moments mm. for Lucy moments like this. She grows up on a farm and she grows up in a time where kids are, They have work um, and a lot is expected of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was an incredibly uh, bright Mm -hmm. and skilled worker. Mm -hmm. She always was till Mm -hmm. the moment she died. Um, But she was never seemed to be compensated in the way that she desired. Like they would, they would be hired to make. um, Is anyone. I'm just, (laughs) can I just say. Right. (laughs) Well, if you are who's, discontent, who's, who's happy with no. your paycheck? <laughs> anyway. Well, and so things would happen. Like um, one of the things I remember reading was that 
they like all the kids would be tasked to sew a certain amount of clothes. And because she was just so naturally talented at most of the things she did, um, which is also, I'm assuming, information that her daughter who wrote the biography got from her mother, um, which so we do. One thing we definitely know about Lucy is she spoke very fondly of herself. Uh, she knew how good she was at things. OK, but so she would end up making because she was so such a skilled worker. Like she would end up making more clothes than the rest of the kids. But then if there was like an excess amount of money, the family would be like, well, it should go to the oldest daughter because she helps so much with everything instead of just like on this particular task. She didn't. These are the things that stuck with her. These are the things right. that her daughter wrote about in her memory. She constantly felt slighted and like no one appreciated her enough. Right. Okay. Well, and she was very, and I do, I mean, I do, based off of what I've read about her, I believe that she was very studious and bright and she may have been, we all can think of an exceptional person. Mm -hmm. Um, And she, I'm not saying she wasn't one of those people, but she, um, because she was this way, she was also, as she grew older, she was particularly irritated that her father didn't see the point in her extending her education. Right. Um, And she. She was definitely an academic type. She liked reading. She yeah. um, wanted to go to school. Um, but a lot, of, I mean, she really wanted to go <laughs> because she couldn't go. Right. And that was a big part of it, too. But her less uh, gifted brothers were encouraged to continue their education. And her father told, it, it, told her that it was inappropriate um, for her to do the same. Um, and then she, uh, they were a Bible reading, Bible believing family. Um, but, uh, she came across, um, oh dang, I'm totally blanking on the passage. Um, where her desire will be for her husband and she'll, what is Genesis that? 3. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. The curse. I was like, I know it's, I was like, I know it's in the early Genesis. Yes. <laughs> Um, so she read that one night and, um, was like, that can't, like, I knew that the world was against women, but I didn't realize God was against women. Oh. And she actually turned to her mother and was like, this is the modern phrasing. Can I just die now? (laughs) So she's not dramatic at all (laughs) is what we're, what I'm learning. No, not at all. Okay. (laughs) Can I just die now? (laughs) Okay. Um, And so, and that was a part of her, uh, one of the things she sought in higher, uh, seeking higher education was she wanted to study biblical languages because she was certain that if she could just properly translate herself, she would know that that's not what they meant. Oh man. Um, That's what everyone's still saying. (laughs) I know, man. Um, And she, well, and of course she believed she turned it to a human's human right thing because she believed that God would not keep a fundamental human right from women. What right would that be to rule voting property rights? Okay. And some of it, you know, well, okay. Anyway, I'll, I'm going to continue mm-hmm. moving through cause the, I'm about to, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, and so um, I do, I think it's likely that she saw the laws of the day leaving women vulnerable to evil men. Mm-hmm. I also like, I don't think she didn't see that and I don't yeah. think she made it up. Yeah. Um, and there were plenty of things that I think were, uh, uh, there was an people who would take the scripture and twist it in the opposite way that she did. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, regardless, um, so she assumed, so when she read passages about male and female authority or male authority and female submission, um, she just, she saw, she saw it as a way that society, which was strongly built by men, were using the scripture to um, subjugate, oppress. Right. Well, and she just believed she even had said at one point that if it had been women that had started out running everything, which it wouldn't have been that way. <laughs> um, she, uh, 
she said that the women would have taken all the power for themselves. Like it just makes, she was just saying that that's how Mm. authority works. Whoever is an authority seeks to. So she had a very um, fundamentally wicked view Mm. of what authority represented, which was that you would only get authority to wield it over people. And that was her perception. Um, And so um, again, I don't deny that uh, there were vulnerable, there are still women that are left vulnerable right. to men, right. especially now that we don't want to say that women are vulnerable right? <laughs> specifically to men. Yeah. Um, but so I don't think, I don't think that that's anything that the feminists have tackled by any means. Maybe they think they have, but they definitely haven't. Right. Um, so uh, she eventually she eventually would be kicked out of her church. Um, and uh, she joined what? because she was just, well, she wanted to speak publicly. Okay. And um, uh, some of it too was obviously the country at the time was very uh, drawn by uh, slavery, opinions on slavery. Mm, right. Um, and uh, so some of the ch- you would like attend a church that was pro slavery <laughs> um which is a very simple way of putting it there was a lot that went into mm-hmm. someone calling themselves pro slavery um and on the other side as well but so she was anti slavery she was a prohibitionist and she um that was actually it was kind of a weird division in churches mm-hmm. but so she like wouldn't stop she wouldn't stop talking and wouldn't stop uh she like couldn't keep her mouth shut. Mm. And so her church kicked her out. Yep. So she left and she joined the Unitarian church. Oh, which, um, yeah, we know does not believe in the Trinity or the deity of Christ. And they place a high value on, um, using individual human reason for scripture interpretation. Right. Is anyone surprised that (laughs) she found something in the Bible that she didn't like, and then she joined a church that allows you to reason your way through what the scripture means Yikes. independently of anything else. Yeah. So uh, did the Unitarian Church at the time allow for female pastors? Female no. leadership? No. Oh. Um, there was still a lot of, but there were, there were, there were like universities, there were churches, and there were groups that were considered the Unitarian church was considered liberal at the time, even back then. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, even though they wouldn't like us now, like the feminists now would look at those groups and say, Mm -hmm. no, you weren't progressive. You weren't anything. Right. But they would have been considered progressive at the time. Yeah. Um, but they weren't, they didn't have, it, it would give, it would give feminists today difficulty deciding what's worse because Feminists today supposedly claim to be very strong on their Trinitarian orthodoxy, but also you don't want to be at a church that's pro-slavery. So it's like she jumped from one bad ship to another. Right. Uh, so they, they wouldn't know what to say now either. Yikes. I just, I think it's yikes lot. all the way around. Yeah, it's a lot. It's really a lot. It, it was a very different time. Um Okay, so I, I do want to say that um, it's important to consider that the early women's rights movement um, was highly influenced by the anti-slavery movement. Yeah. Um, or we abolition. We talked about that quite a bit. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it makes sense that they would conflate women's rights with slave rights when you're just sort of operating all yeah. on your own Basically, standard. if you're not in authority, then you're on my team. Right. Yes. Well, and the th- the thing is, is that really legitimate wickedness was happening. Um, that like the, so our opinions don't differ in uh instances of abuse, of course, but there's certainly a difference between man stealing and racial partiality, and the roles of men and women in the Bible. Um. So those are two right. very different things. But if you reject the hierarchy that God sets in the Bible, you mm-hmm. are going to start 
making connections that don't actually that exist value yeah because they're, they're they're just not the same right um well and this is why now you know you have people will talk about minorities people of color and they'll also call um like homosexuals and anyone who claims to be lgbt as sexual minorities right you you've Right. You've already lost when you are drawing a line between being somebody with a non-white skin color and being somebody who's gay. You've already lost the plot. Yeah. You've proven that you do not know your categories. Right. You don't know them and you're just sort of mashing them all together. Right. Even when it's not appropriate. Right. Um. And so... Uh, I, I was just going to say, like, even in the instance of abuse, that doesn't mean we reallocate authority. Right. The whole point um, of what Lucy wanted to do was to deconstruct. She didn't want to. F- she she saw, like I said, she she some of the things that she has she saw were just things that made her discontent. And I do think she probably saw things that were actually wicked. Mm-hmm. But when you see wicked things, you mm-hmm. don't reallocate authority. Right. Because that person has, m- men didn't prove that they couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. So then women had to step in and start protecting themselves. Men are still the protectors of women in that instance. Mm-hmm. If they're doing a bad job, that's an entirely different thing in right. and of itself. And if someone was okay at the time, if there were judges or communities that were okay with women being abused, that is worthy of condemnation and is also wicked. Right. But we don't don't just deconstruct things and build them back up. Right. Because we perceive that they're not working. Yeah. You don't judge a system by the ones that flunked out of it. Right. Right. (laughs) That's not how that works. Right. Like that's just but I mean I also think that's a very modern mindset where it's like oh this one person did something bad the whole system is terrible right (laughs) let me re let me tear it down and build my system it's only working if it's working 100% (laughs) of the time even though there's never been anything like that (laughs) um and there's always been right there's always been evil in the world whether you choose whether you say you believe it or not you've borrowed the concept of evil. Well, when plenty someone of times. comes in and says, My system is the one that is best, you already know you're again dealing with somebody who's lost the plot. Right. <laughs> Just the end. Right. Yeah. And basically, it was all she had that societal construct mindset too. She did not believe that this, the way things were, had anything to do with the Bible. She believed that men took the Bible and twisted it so mm-hmm. that they could have authority and wield it over other people. That's what she believed. Tale as old as time. Yeah. I mean, honestly. So anyway, um, so of course, from a young age, she vowed, I think it was right before she turned to her mom or right after she turned to her mom and said, like, can I just die? She vowed to never marry <laughs> because it was institutional abuse. Uh. Um, and she, she, uh, she worked hard, and I do mean she worked hard. She worked as a teacher to save money to go to school, and she did work a ton obsessively for very little pay. And um, I do believe her dad ended up helping her some in the end just because she was, like, mm. struggling. Right. Like, there was some, in the biography, some of just, like, the costs of her, like, even traveling mm. to school and back she was on a very tight budget and mm. she was working very, very hard to save money to go to school. Mm-hmm. And then even while she was in school, continued to work. Um, anyway, she earned a BA from Oberlin. She was the first woman to, to do. get a college degree. All right. Um, and that was in 1847. Oh, she was okay. asked to write a commencement speech, but she declined when she found out that a man would be the one presenting the speech. <laughs> it's probably because it like the pl- the graduation probably took place in a church or something. So they were probably like, mm, what a great no. opportunity though. <laughs> I I mean, come on. If she really wanted to be subversive, she could have been like written a speech that's like, I woman. I'm the biggest <laughs> idiot in the world. <laughs> Just made him read it. 
so many opportunities <laughs> missed. Well, she ended up having a very prolific speaking career. So I guess there were some. She made up for she, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so she. Um, she was very persuasive. Um, and actually, she kind of started, she kind of got her in for um, ab- with abolition. Yeah. So she was speaking as an abolitionist, and that was kind of how she got her foot in the door. And then she moved to suffrage, and she just saw this, like, mm. connection between the two of them. And so they related to one another. Um, and again, I have no doubt that she had a unique gift. Um, many people said that, like, she would even... Uh, like changed the minds of people that heckled her. At one point, her father apologized to her and said, I was wrong. Okay. All right. I don't know what he was saying he was wrong for. That seems right. like kind of a um nebulous. Like, I don't right. think he was saying for everything, you know, just for everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't think it's the, I thought that was a little, uh, an she interesting thing to report. Gifted with rhetoric. Yes. Um, and she was she didn't really she was in the spotlight, but she didn't she wasn't like uh really loud or abrasive. She was right. pretty patient and she, when people uh were upset that a woman was speaking, she didn't like turn in anger against them. She gained not only did she have a reputation for speaking in a way that was persuasive, but she had right. a reputation for being like level-headed and Reasonable. cool. Yeah. Interesting. Cause she's dramatic at home. Right. <laughs> Keep in mind. Some of this is written by her. Some of this information is from her daughter. Right. Um, so she saw the public and the private person. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and then she was lauded by the other first waivers. She was friends with, you know, Stanton and Anthony. Um, So, of course, shortly after her graduation, um, we have a big moment in feminism in uh, 1848. We have the Seneca Falls Convention where, um, I mean, it wasn't just exclusively this, but they had a declaration of sentiments and they presented that and basically just demanding the expansion of opportunities for women Mm-hmm. To reach their potential just the, as the way a man can exit his door and go on any mission he desires, right? That was the mindset. Um, can he? He had the freedom to do it so he could do it. Um, and then, of course, reform for property laws, voting, the list goes on for women. Um, so at Seneca Falls, uh, Lucy gave a speech called Oh, yes. Disappointment is the lot of women. Oh, my. Saying in education, in marriage, in religion, in everything, disappointment is the lot of women. It shall be the business of my life to deepen this disappointment in every woman's heart until she bows to it no longer. Uh, What? Okay. (laughs) Are we getting an idea for the kind of mission she was on? I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it. Yes. Um, so this was her message. And she toured the entire country spreading some, it. I know some fem I know some female reformed Facebook groups that are that's also their goal. <laughs> and let me guess, it's working really it's well. Working it seems so to be well. very easy for women to Can we all turn their lives all towards disappointment? Disappointment, please. Mm, this seems to be a particular skill oh. we have. Um, so, uh, she struggled to keep the abolition work separate from her women's rights work. And sometimes she was, um, told to stop, like, Hey, stop intermingling those two things, uh, because people didn't feel as though they were equal, which they weren't. They're not. Um, and at one point she even was set to retire from any sort of like abolition speaking saying I was a woman before I was an abolitionist. I must speak for women, but she was so influential that they didn't want to let her go. And so they were like, okay, you can do what you want. Um, Oh, she said it best. I mean, this is just here. These are her own words. Reiterating what I just said. 
I went from city to city and state to state, everywhere carrying the good gospel of equal rights for women, seeking to create that wholesome discontent among women, which would make them resent their unequal condition and wish to escape it. So her mindset was that whether or not you thought you were under the abusive power of marriage and men or not, you were. You are. And, and I want you to You needed to be converted that. to disappointment, to a lifetime of disappointment, so that you would be compelled to change mm. the world. What a nice lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, when traveling to Cincinnati on this state to state, city to city gospel presentation <laughs> that she was giving, the gospel in of her discontent. own words, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, she... I'm just laughing because nothing's changed. Yeah, no, no, no. It's really. Mm-mm. Um. So, she was traveling to Cincinnati. It's now uh, 1853, so a few years after Seneca Falls, and she met. Henry Blackwell, uh, which was the brother to Elizabeth Blackwell, who was the United States' first doc- female doctor. Mm-hmm. So she kind of married into another family that was... Wait, she married him? <clears throat> yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. So he courted her and wooed her, and they married two years later. Um, she was she pregnant? She finally was convinced enough that he was forever dedicated to her mission. <sighs> Oh, and she married great, him. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, he, she did not change her last name. That's why her name is Lucy Stone. Mm-hmm. She was the very yeah. first woman in the United States to not change her last name when oh, she wow. got married. Um, what a hero! <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, and uh, it, it's very weird because he obediently served. I use that word very. Pointedly. Well, he just sounds like a loser. <laughs> he obediently served uh, for the cause for the rest of his life, speaking for her when she was not well. Um, and then even after she died, um, he he made the circuit and made this happen. Anyway, okay. She also um, did something kind of groundbreaking, which was she set up a prenuptial agreement statement with her husband. And it began like this. Oh. While acknowledging our mutual affection by publicly assuming the relationship of husband and wife, yet in justice to ourselves and a great principle, we deem it a duty to declare that this act on our part implies no sanction of, nor promise of, voluntary obedience to such, obedience to such of the presence laws of, present laws of marriage to refuse to recognize the wife as an independent rational being while they confer upon the husband an injurious and unnatural superiority investing him with legal powers which no honorable man man would exercise and which no man should possess Uh, why get married they didn't get married they pretended to get married and created a weird definition of what marriage is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this sounds like mental illness you can't I don't. You, marriage is a covenant it's made before god so you can't say did they just want to sleep together and not be out i don't know why she got married to him because she didn't want to get married and honestly i don't know that she i obviously she liked him but she wanted people to know they just wanted to sleep together she was like That's hey the only just so everybody just so everybody knows I only like him. I do not submit to him. And it's like, well, then you don't like him. You don't like him then. You don't like him. You don't trust him. So your assumption is that he is just like every other man that will abuse you with his authority. So you browbeat him until he abdicated his authority to you. And you definitely And even didn't. then you wouldn't take his last name. Well, no reason to respect him after that, I suppose. Right. So. Right. Well, and if in your head he's just, he's just like, he's just a man who wants to have authority over you, how could you ever trust your husband wholly if he was always right. just a closeted browbeater? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Anyway, so they continued his their speaking, touring, all that kind of thing. Right. Um. I did think it was really interesting. They 
went, I mean, they went all over the place, Vermont, Michigan, Nebraska, Colorado, Rhode Island, and they would do these like long Western campaigns. And they were, they come, it was like their conditions were compared to the hardships of pioneer life. (laughs) Because I guess things weren't so great out in the West. And things weren't so great out on the road. <laughs> well, I can imagine. Um, it was just funny. And I felt like I had to bring this up because you brought up volcanoes for years. Yeah, that's right. But they d- they faced all kinds of hardship. They, it was Krakatoa. They the were sort of Krokotoa? just, they just sort of ate wherever, ate whatever, slept wherever. Um, there was bugs. There was They're really dust storms. Bohemian. Yeah. Um, I don't think this is how, like, in the East, I don't think that's how it was. But, you know. When you got West. The West was kind of wild back then. Wild, wild um, West. So, uh, she, uh, so she had two children. Um, one of them did not survive to adulthood. And um, the one that did was a girl named Alice Blackwellstone. Of course. Right. <laughs> um, who became a feminist. And she ran the the Woman's Journal, which is what... Uh, Henry Blackwell and Lucy Stone kind of created and that has since been turned and transformed. Sure. And so it doesn't exist in the state it did back then, but in right. some, it has some connection still and is yeah in existence today. Um, so uh, I just thought it was so funny that she like never trusted her husband. Um, he actually ended up drafting the endorsement that received this response resolved that the Republican Party of Massachusetts as the representative of liberty and progress is in favor of extending suffrage to all American citizens irrespective of sex and will hail the day when the educated intellect and enlightened conscience of women will find direct expression at the ballot box. And she like never <laughs> I feel like ultimately she just thought of him as like a man to some extent mm-hmm. that she like I don't know, but he worked he worked just as hard for yeah. her mission, which is all wrong and all mixed up. But I just think it's so interesting that she like didn't trust him. Yeah. Even though he gave everything. That's so sad. I know. It just it like she didn't live to see that right make it through. Right. But he drafted that. Right. He worked and spoke and I mean, long after she died. And then, of course, Alice. Right. After that. Right. Um, And that's, I mean, honestly, that's the main reason why I picked her is because she created for her household a culture. And then for her um, future generations, she created this legacy of exactly what she said, which was discontent. Right. um, Disappointment. And she... I get why they call her the morning star. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Cause she kicked off a lot of things and she really set that foundation of disappointment and discontent very, very deep. And she knew she took on this very interesting um, position. She just, she knew that if she could take, could patiently take a few punches, mm-hmm. she would, set the foundation for mm. the people that needed to come after. Right. And so that's what she did. Right. Um, and <laughs> I don't know. We, it, it, I guess researching her, it confronted something in me even, mm. um, which is I'm, I feel like I'm constantly learning how much I've learned. <laughs> yeah. From without realizing it, mm-hmm. how much I was indoctrinated mm-hmm. into the inclusivity, equality, mm-hmm. self-actualization, reaching your potential. Um, and it, in a way, it's just the world we live in. Mm-hmm. But I also know that I was taught it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I picked her because she really accomplished a lot of things in the name of her cause. And she did them all for the wrong reason. Right. Um, and her view her view of justice is not going to produce it has tons of fruit. 
Mm. And it's not going to produce justice. Right. Um, She was not a Christian, at least if she adhered to Unitarian belief. She did not believe in the Trinity and she did not think Jesus was God. Right. Um, And she and any interpretation of scripture for her was done purely based off of her own logical reasoning, Mm -hmm. which is what she wanted anyway as a woman and was seeking to get other women that privilege was to just think for yourself, which is a lot of what you spoke about in your first wave. Right. Um, Enlightenment thinking, rationalism. It's all about you and the self. Yeah. And honestly, the most um, sobering thing of all is that According to her daughter, um, she just died like a saint would die. She Mm. died as someone who was set with all the peace in the world, Mm. not knowing that she didn't have peace. Mm. Um, And so it's, I feel like most people who are our age, most women, would look at her story and be like, oh, she accomplished all these things. She did Mm. all these things in the name of justice. She saw problems and she fixed them and again we're not wrong with political activism when there's injustice Mm -hmm. but by what standard (laughs) Um, and that's kind of the issue here is that we don't just we don't just say like the ends justify the means we're not pragmatists we don't just go based off of what works um because the the destruction that has Mm -hmm. come along with some of the things she may have accomplished that were helpful or maybe even just according to a biblical worldview, um, came with this <laughs> tenfold right. of discontent. And that is what she meant to sow. She didn't mean to sow a love for justice. She meant to sow discontent. Um, but it's it's just weird because, well, and it's very hard because so much of what's written about first waivers is... Uh, just glowing. Yes. And even um, all the all the feminists, there's so much out there because it's told from our current culture's perspective. They just glowingly just like keep all these praises right on. And so it can be it's right. it what I'm saying is looking her up, I it required discernment. I read her own words and then I had to judge yeah. them by the standard that I have and she, her and I have fundamentally different right beliefs. Right. And she she if you, we're all obsessed with toxic people she was toxic yeah she was as toxic as they came admittedly um she thought she was doing it for the right reasons that right. doesn't change anything no um and so i did when i was looking uh when i was i don't know when you try to put something like this together you're just kind of looking everywhere you know and so there was this moment where I was like, have I vilified this enough? <laughs> like, have I really, like, what are the points that I'm trying to make about her character? Right. She had a totally incorrect standard mm-hmm. for a living. Mm-hmm. She sowed discontent and she. Intentionally. Right. And she uh, believed that the marriage covenant was abusive inherently. Uh, that is something all the first weavers have in common. Right. Even the ones that right. were married. Right. Even the all... ones that say that they're Christians. Right. They all hated marriage. Right. And it, I think it's really interesting that once marriage was attacked and really crippled by the first waivers, so they went after the marriages. And then the next thing they had to do is go after the result of marriage, which was the children. Right. Um, it was an attack on the family from the jump from the very beginning. Right. Uh, and you can't separate the marriage from also then having to separate the women from the children, which right. is what eventually had to happen. Right. Yeah. Well, and so I think we just have this like, I think we have, we're prone to this sort of glowing view of women that lived in the 1800s that accomplished things in the name of women. Mm-hmm. Um and we almost look and we're, it almost, we, the temptation is to say, was it really that bad? Well, yes, it really was that bad. And I found this very, I, I found something that really put my study of her into perspective. So I'm going to read it to you. Okay. This was, this is from Elizabeth's Elliot 
Elizabeth Elliot's Let Me Be a Woman. Oh, okay. It is for us women to receive the given as Mary did, not to insist on the not given as Eve did. It would be the la- I would be the last to deny that women are given gifts that they are meant to exercise, but we must not be greedy in insisting on having the- all of them, in usurping the place of men. We are women, and my plea is, let me be a woman, holy through and through, asking for nothing but what God wants to give me, receiving with both hands and with all my heart whatever that is. No arguments would ever be needed if we all shared the spirit of the most blessed among women. And thinking about Mary, thinking about sowing discontent for the work given to women, Mm-hmm. That is a doctrine of our world today. Mm-hmm. If you are a woman, if you are a marginalized in a marginalized group or whatever, you have been given, it's because you have been given this work that you do not deserve. No person deserves to have to work so much and work so hard and do all these things. And it shouldn't be hard. And the people who it's not hard for uh-huh. are the people that have made it that way for you. Right. Yeah. The just the contrast between the given like Mary and the not given like Eve. Right. And that is really yeah. That is really I we could we could talk at length about all the potential that I believe there is for Christian women and wives and moms. I do not think right. I do not share the old-timey spirit of in a kitchen, milking right. eight cows. But do those things need to be done? Yes. Right. <laughs> um, but the point is, is that there, I mean, now we have, we, there's endless potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, like, yeah, a- abuse that was taking place mm-hmm. with the twisting of God's scripture, it hasn't been completely fixed. But I think God has used many wicked things to to fix right. some things and protect people. Um, but I don't um, I don't think I think that that first sentence that I read is not something that the modern woman, myself included, uh, thinks naturally. Right. We do. We are not prone to think it is for us women to receive the given as Mary did not to insist on the not given as Eve did. We have been, she sowed a legacy so far Mm -hmm. that I can still believe today that I don't deserve to do the work of a woman. I should be able to do the work I want to do. Mm -hmm. Well, and the work essentially of a man. Right. You know, right. And I mean, everybody's starting to point out, and this is, it's a truism, that essentially what our society tells women is that if you stay at home and create a household and raise your children, you're enslaved. But if you go clock in and work a nine to five for a nameless, faceless CEO, then that's freedom and potential. And it's just it's hilarious. And it's like that's for me, that's one of those like if you're just boring, say you're boring moments like. Right. That's really boring. That's really um, if you think that that's more (laughs) entertaining um, or that is more there's more potential there because there's a dollar amount attached to it. Like, I just don't think you've ever really had a vision for the home in the first place or what can actually be achieved there. And I mean, at the end of the day, like it just really comes down to like a lot of people who reject a conservative view of the family will say, if a woman wants to stay home, that's fine. They'll say that they'll give lip service to that. But then everything else they say totally reveals that they think that it's a bad choice and that it's boring. Well, and it's based off of the assumption that a man is free to do whatever he wants. Right. Newsflash. This was true in the 1800s (laughs) and it's true now. Right. A man is not free to do whatever he wants. No. He is bound to his nature. Right. Whether he has been given a new nature or not. 
He is bound to his nature. Mm-hmm. A man has never been allowed to open up his door and step out into the world and do whatever he wants. Right. They might choose to do that. Right. But that's not what they're supposed to do. No, that's not acceptable. Right. Well, and ultimately the goal of maturity and growing up is that your desires will align with what God has for you. Right. Um, You know, like, although I'm sure my husband didn't feel like being at work at seven o'clock this morning, like his will has aligned with where God has put him. Like he was willing to do that. He wanted to do that. No one's like coercing him to do that. And ultimately, I think what we have is a generation of, and I mean, even back then, just women who they didn't want to do it. And so immaturity sees things that you don't want to do as slavery. That's how the immature sees duty and responsibility. You see duty and responsibility as slavery. And I honestly think that's why, I mean, how bold and brash of the first wave feminists to think that they knew anything about what it was like to be enslaved because they were women. Right. I mean, just because you don't want to do it doesn't mean you're a slave. Like she would the say, people enslaved in the South, those were actually slaves. They were stolen. They were kidnapped people who were <laughs> slaves. They didn't have any freedom. Just because you don't want to be a wife and a mother and you are doesn't make you a slave. Like, Grow up, honestly, is the answer. Right. Like, grow up. Get some imagination. Stop being boring. Agreed. <laughs> You're boring. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you don't have to be. And and I understand. Maybe. I also think just this is a. Th- you know, when you were talking about how like kids actually had to be a part of life and they had mm-hmm. to be a part of the household. And it's like now we think children should have no responsibility whatsoever. But honestly, that's something only people who live in a privileged time could say, because back in the day, you needed every hand you could get to do the work on the farm so that you wouldn't die in the winter. Well, and that's the kind of, that's the kind (laughs) of, that's the other, the other instance is that like, while we see things like women can't vote, women can't own private property, they don't share equal guardianship. That is not how, that culture was set up. It wasn't right. set up with women having individual rights from their husband. Right. So it set it like, there is this little thing that's like, Oh, well, but like, what's the problem? What's the problem? Discontent. Yeah. <laughs> Discontent's the problem. Right. The problem is not like the problem. There isn't, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think I know anyone that would have a problem with a Christian woman going to school. Going to college? Oh no! I don't think <laughs> I know anyone. Not. Um, no, <laughs> stop being boring. Like that's just not true. Stop but being the thing, boring. And the thing is, is like, yeah, there's so many. There's so much that goes into this. Like you were saying, like there was even there were a lot of practical reasons why women weren't entering, weren't going to get their bachelor of arts. Yeah, like they didn't have time. They had stuff going on. And you, you know what? A go... lot of them were content. Right. With what they had, the duties they had. Well, you didn't go to the Burlington Coat Factory to get your coats to survive the winter. Like, you, <laughs> right. that's not what happened. Right. You had to sew them. Right. You had to make them right. before the winter hit. Like, this is why I think, well, we've lost that vision of a productive household. Right. You know, it's just we don't have productive households anymore because what do we have to physically produce? Not a whole lot. We have to physically physically produce enough money to go purchase the items we need to survive. Right. Whereas you used to have to make most of them with your own hand. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, you know, and that kind of is what happened in the fifties, right? Is that the women did get bored because what you were, the work that you were required to do that you needed to do just to survive changed so drastically. Right. Um, and instead of taking that opportunity to become even more productive and creative in other ways, it was just, boring um and it felt like like yeah if you think all that you have to do all day is dishes you're gonna be bored if that's your vision for home life that's boring i mean dishes can be done to the glory of god with a good attitude but if that's what you think your main job is on on earth is to do dishes yeah yeah that you're boring (laughs) and you're bored (laughs) anyway we could okay yeah, I mean, whoops, I went on a... <laughs> Again, I agree. <laughs> I agree. 
not not sleeping very well. <laughs> I kind of went off on like a rabbit trail. We'll come back to that. But yeah, I mean, time. really, I didn't like. Uh, I didn't. I don't have anything else to say about her, other than that she yeah. like I. She was. She's very interesting to me, um, and people spoke so glowingly of her. Yeah. Um, and I, in a way she was smart enough to acknowledge that if she, again, if she could just like, yeah, be persecuted for a short amount of time, she could accomplish and other people could, she had this like very long-term mindset. Yep. Um, imagine if like, and we've said this before, but traveling around in the conditions that they did, like, imagine if we were willing to work that hard for Jesus. Like they worked so hard for cause for wicked causes because they believe so deeply in them. Right. Like, don't tell me that women can't do difficult things. I absolutely believe they can. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. But like if she was able to do that, you're telling me she couldn't have like built up a productive household. Well, and it's just interesting. <laughs> she did. She like took she did take some time off when she had right. her daughter. And so she. Right. I almost didn't do her because she seems so benign. Yeah. And then when you find, like, she is the sower of discontent. Yeah. She really is the morning. Discontent is the morning star. Right. Of the first wave. And it sunk its roots deep in to give us more waves. Yeah. It kept going. (laughs) It's still going. There's a lot of movement there. (laughs) And we're still, we've, we see, I mean, you don't even have to look to your right or left to find someone that's discontent. No. You don't have to leave your house to find someone that's just It turns out <laughs> the human heart produces a lot of that. Well, yeah, no, I just think it's uh, it's good because most of us, and we've, again, said this before, nothing new under the sun, but most of us, when we were receiving our public school education, didn't really learn uh, truthfully what they were up to. What we heard was, you know, um, they were anti-slavery and they were pro women voting and that was it. And well, or the only extension you'd get is they were pro women's rights because women were allowed to be abused right. and their husbands could legally beat them. Right. Um, and then they would, you know, uh, women were just getting abused by the authority. Right. And I mean, I read some stuff that I'm like, wow, that seems pretty crazy. Right. Like if a man, if a man died, like mm-hmm. a third of his mm-hmm. estate and money would be left to his wife. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I don't understand the full complexities of all their laws and things like that. Sure. Um, but I know uh, that, that it's also common to create a narrative if you are trying to get a bunch of people to be discontent, it is it is very effective to create a narrative in which all women are being abused in some way. Right. Um, and that, I think, is an affront to actual abuse. Um, and I think that justice in regards to actual abuse is completely uh, is to be handled completely differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, individual perpetrators should be the ones making individual victims whole. Right. And, uh, you know, maybe we neglected to do that. And maybe we thought that this weird pragmatic approach would help that women being having access to their own property and being able to vote and have their own separate household from their husband would protect women. Um, but that's just not... I I I don't see that being biblical. I see it being that deconstruction reconstruction mindset um that mm-hmm. has been coming against the Bible for forever since the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I can't wait to not be in this time period. <laughs> I know. This is not I'm ready to move on. It was it was rough. Um, I did have a lot of people asking, how do you actually, you know, people were saying after the last episode, like, yeah, I pretty much had just heard that, you know, Mary Shelley was this wonderful woman. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. know what she actually believed. Um, and I was saying last week and you've said as well, like, well, if you really want to know what somebody believes, you need to read what they wrote. Right. Uh, 
And pretty much all of these major first wave feminists, their writing is online for free. Um, oh, yeah. A lot of their speeches have been like, I mean, even uh, even if they've been transcribed or like edited into a more readable mm-hmm. way, like they all kind of exist in some way. I was able to find handwritten. Yeah. You can. Uh, yeah. Speeches by Lucy Stone. They're yeah. like. I had to I transcribe because they were totally illegible. Yeah. But <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for? It's all free domain. Is that is that the phrase? It's all public. So um, I remember I wanted to read something that Charlotte Perkins Gilman had written, and her entire book was just I just googled her name, and there it was a free PDF. I mean, all of it. If you like, really want to read what they wrote, mm-hmm. um, most of it. <laughs> Someone's uploaded it and they're not selling it on Amazon. This stuff is really old. Right. Um, a lot of it wasn't published initially, like in book form. So some people right, have taken the time. Right, a lot of it was speeches right. during this time period. Speeches and letters and things like that. So I would just tell you, um, you can find them on like Google Books. I really just, like I said, I wanted to read something that... Uh, Gilman had written and her entire book was just a PDF when I Googled her name. Um, and so if there's old timey feminists and you want to read what they wrote on, it's honestly probably a couple searches away on some random, um, I know there's like history websites yeah. um, and then people just upload PDFs to the internet all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll, you know, they'll photocopy things. And so um, it's kind of fun to go back and look through but yeah that's yeah that's going to be the best way finding the actual things that the person themselves wrote and and honestly yeah. it's not fun reading like i'll tell you it's not enjoyable reading yeah. it's not <laughs> one of the reasons why this stuff hasn't been put in book form and then sold is because it wouldn't sell right um it's, it's really very dated it's very yeah it's written clearly by somebody from the 1800s. Um, The language is difficult. The verbiage is difficult. Um, The sentences are painfully long. Um, So many commas (laughs) and semicolons. semicolons. (laughs) But like I said, if that's... Then we we discovered, we invented the run-on sentence and we were like, okay. Okay, you guys have to stop doing that. (laughs) Compound subject and verb and then move on, please. Yes. (laughs) That's like the max. If I get to the end of your sentence and I have no idea what you said, you need two sentences. Yeah. So anyway, that's just a little hot tip for you there. Of yeah. Course, and the, if you can find biographies that include a lot of like I read mine, the one I read for mine was called Lucy Stone Pioneer of Women's Rights and it was written by Alice Stone Blackwell her daughter and so she had access to just if you're going to read a biography pick someone that was actually able, close close that yeah. was able to examine letters and stuff like that but this it is just full like the whole middle section of it is almost exclusively like writings back and forth between people. Yeah. And that's really how you establish the character mm-hmm. of a person. Their own because words. now if you look up, a fe- if you just Google feminist, you yeah. will get glowing, raving reviews about everyone. <laughs> yes. Even she was the nicest person you'd ever met. Right. <laughs> Devoted wife and mother. Right. <laughs> just like, yeah. And then you read her writing. Hated and she's slavery. Like, I hate these children. Ooh. And it's like, oh my goodness. That was what I found with um Elizabeth Cady Stanton, where if you just look up stuff about her, it's like she was just this nice housewife. Yep. And then you Ooh. read her words and she like hated all of her kids, yes. sent them off to boarding school, yes. hated her husband, and you're just like, oh, okay. Well, I've been lied to. Yeah. So Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, you can leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. I'm going to write a wrong right now, which is that well, I really me, should have played this uh, last week. Because everybody was so faithful and left us Aristocat uh, gifts. I know. When they I really enjoyed that. It was just like a fun little thing. Okay, the thing about the word aristocrat uh-huh. is I knew about aristocrats before I knew what an aristocrat was because I was a child. We're a weird cross-section of the population Wait, that knew that word first. This song is a remake. Do they not have the original Aristocats album on Spotify? Oh, oh, this is it. 
Is this it? I was going to say it sounds right. It, it sounds was like him, not right. Oh, Thomas scales O'Malley. and arpeggios. Where's everybody wants to be a cat? You guys. Wait, okay. What about, let's just, what about this one? Oh, you're looking for like the reprise, the like real fast jazzy version. The fast jazzy everybody. song. Where okay. is it? I, the one where I they like dance it. on the piano and it goes through the floor. <laughs> this is a classic. Anyway, okay. Have a good week, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>